they're, they're looking over your shoulder, like seeing yeah. more important. <laughs> I've been to networking events like that where somebody's looking over my shoulder. Welcome to episode 21 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you may be wondering if the world needs another effing marketing podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott, Chief Bottle Washer at Apropingo, a London-based content marketing agency and founding editor of Rockstar CMO. If you're not familiar with our publication, we publish a monthly dose of marketing street knowledge, sharing the voice of our community of CMOs and marketing writers. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm recording this on Friday the 31st of July. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week, that you're staying safe, well, and as sane as you feel you need to be. As it's our 21st episode, you think we're coming of age? If you're a regular listener, please let us know what you think of the podcast so far. If you're new, welcome. Thank you. We have the usual set list this week. I'll chat about something from the virtual page of Rockstar CMO from our wonderful contributing community that you might want to take a look at. I'll be giving one of our regular contributors, Lauren Bowden, her podcasting debut, and we'll be chatting about marketers and their education, freelancing, and her career from PR to content marketing. I'm looking forward to welcoming her to the show. I then close out my Friday evening with a trip to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with the chief troublemaker at the content advisory, Robert Rose. Let's get started, shall we? This week, as I flick through the page of Rockstar CMO, I'd very much like you to join me in the green room. This is a regular feature where we pose a question from the theme of the issue to our community of Rockstar CMOs. We've covered a lot of interesting topics over the two years in the green room. As I mentioned last week, the theme for the last issue was about the importance of having a marketing education. And in the green room this month, we captured the thoughts of six CMOs and senior marketers, including what they look for when they're hiring. The article is pretty insightful and quite encouraging, as there seems to be an agreement that enthusiasm for the craft, aptitude and experience are just as important as an education to them. I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. Let us know what you think. Aside from appearing in your favorite podcast player, I will post the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. Right, on to the interview. This week, I chat to one of our fabulous contributors and a member of the Rockstar CMO house band, Lauren Bowden. Lauren is an independent freelancer and chief content creator, FinTech at the Comms Crowd, a specialist PR, AR, social media and content marketing agency focused on B2B tech and FinTech companies. She specializes in translating complex ideas into compelling content for multiple purposes and audiences. I really enjoy Lauren's writing for us. She's a regular here at Rockstar CMO, and I wanted to feature her here, especially after her last article that shared her experience of having a PR degree and what it was like in her early career. And then following on from that, both agency and client side and how going freelance was working out for her. Lauren's not someone used to being in front of the microphone, and this was her podcasting debut. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Lauren, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Hi, Ian. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. 
You're very welcome. And and how's uh, sort of semi-lockdown treating you where you are? It's not too bad at all, especially on a mm-hmm. sunny day like today. It's the hottest day of the year, I think, today. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's it's fine when you're not locked in your office, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the windows closed because you're recording the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and obviously from your accent, you're joining us from the UK as as I am. And as you say, the weather is just beautiful today. But I think this is the summer, isn't it? This is going to be our summer just today. Yeah. <laughs> all right so lauren you're a regular contributor to rockstar cmo but for people that don't follow the publication tell us a little bit about yourself okay yeah um so i have been in the pr marketing industry for about 16 years now i think um Mm -hmm. started at a pr agency meteor um i think you've had somebody from uh, meteor in the past um yeah so you're familiar with them those guys. I've so, got yeah, some think... friends over there, actually. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a lovely agency, I think. I've worked with them before when I was a CMO and hired them to do some work for me. I think Meteor are a great little agency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if, when I started, they were still called Right Image, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was a great name. But, yeah, it's um, it made sense for where they were heading, like, to change it. But, yeah, Right Image. Uh, and then we were part of the 660 Degrees part, which was kind of the the um the sort of sub uh, agency that was set up to sort of handle any kind of conflicts so like mm-hmm. media had the or right image had the microsoft account we'd have some yeah. microsystems account and things like that we'd make sure that there was they were completely separate so um that's when i mm-hmm. met uh, sam from um uh sam howard was my account director so she hired me she was my first sort of boss mm. in there so that's and uh, i know she's a mutual friend as well and um yeah, yes <laughs> don't have all that time and um yeah. yeah met some people that i'm still in touch with today like you say it's lovely agency lovely culture um mm-hmm. yeah so uh, and that was obviously my very first taste of any any kind of financial technology yeah i never thought i would be in um how I got into that, basically, I was doing um, Bournemouth Uni degree in PR, which I think we're going to talk mm-hmm. about later, but um, we, mm-hmm. we had to do a third-year placement um, as part of the degree, and I literally just went, they had a placement office, and I just literally went to every interview I could, <laughs> and I um, mm-hmm. I just happened to come across Metier and um, hit it off with Sam and then yeah and then financial technology was part of my world from then on basically so right um, which is what you specialize in now yeah yeah and um yeah. so I was there uh for a few years and then I went um to Weber Shandwick for mm-hmm. a little while and that was pure tech which I did mm-hmm. enjoy but I, I did miss the fintech which was weird because I never thought that would be I'm not nasty yeah. I'm not into finance at all like normally but <laughs> I just really enjoyed the challenge of um sort of trying to work out what the problems were um, um, amongst mm-hmm. all this jargon you know kind of yeah. out the actual human side of it and that was always really interesting to me and then I was working during the financial crisis when all that happened so I was very close to all of that and that was just mm-hmm. horrible but very interesting and you know um sort of went back to in, into financial technology after Weber Shandwick and worked at a company called FRS Global. So the whole time during uni and everything and talking to people, there was always the talk of in-house versus agency, and that was a big yeah. thing on my mind. And it was it was kind of like, right, maybe now it's time to go in-house, um, yeah. buying up all the pros and cons. 
So I went into FRS Global, which was a small um, VC-funded um, company um, that was acquired by Walters Kluwer about two years after I joined. So I was there right. for about 10 years um, altogether. So, and then now I'm freelance. So that's kind of my, my work uh, career in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, you start, but it's interesting though, because you started as a, as what we'd call in agency land a suit, right? You're, you're an account exec at the beginning, but, but now you're a content marketer, right? Yeah, that sort of um, evolved during my time at Walters Kluwer. So um, mm-hmm. I was working as the PR manager and comms manager as we grew, as we got acquired and as the remit grew, my responsibilities mm-hmm. got wider and wider. Um, mm-hmm. We had a couple of different chief marketing officers come in um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as these things yeah. happen, people get leaving. That happens, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it kind of the idea of specialist marketing people was brought in um, mm-hmm. when the acquisition happened and it was product marketing then and I was still very much on the, the uh, comm side. Mm-hmm. But um, the more I saw of what that meant, because, um, you know, I think, before that, it was very generalist marketing. They would do all of the emails, all of the events, all the everything, and it yeah. appealed to me as much. But the content marketing side and their link and product marketing side with their links to the product management teams and like really working like the inner workings of the company, which I, yeah. you know, Sam's Sam's always said that I'm really deep dive and I, I do really like digging in and, and finding out like you know talk to people and getting the full story about things and that it just really appealed to me that side of it really appealed to me so yeah. when we had a couple of product marketers leave I kind of stepped up and tried to we, we needed to sort of get these campaigns going and I stepped up and said I, I'd like to do that and then just sort of went from there and then um became full-time product marketing person so and I've been doing that now for about six years I'd say and I really enjoy that side of it it's, it's really interesting to me so and, and seeing how it's evolving um in the market all these other new terms like context marketing and things like that it's all it's all really interesting yeah. but um still doing a bit of pr and and the comms crowd um yeah yeah but uh yeah my but content uh, marketing is yeah yeah that's yeah and yeah. yeah, and you've um you'd mentioned just a moment ago that you you struck out on your own went went freelance and um, we're seeing the rise of the gig economy right now, mm. um, and lots of people are making that decision. What advice would you give to people that are, that are now going freelance? I think the biggest thing for me was that kind of adjustment that you're that is up to you. It is totally up to you what you do and how, what you make of it. Because mm-hmm. when you're working for a company, you can kind of hide a little bit behind the brand, behind the team. You know, you can you know do good work and everything, and 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 just sort of do it in the background but when yeah. you're out on your own you've got to have that kind of courage to to, to put yourself forward and and really get your name out there and, and be you know self-sufficient and just yeah. do everything and it's just it's daunting but it's it's exciting and like I mm-hmm. mean for me I was really lucky with the comms crowd because I, I was able to you know still have a, a te- you know still have that kind of structure of a team and and um yeah and um, accounts, you know, account management and things, but it was, um, yeah. you know, finding my own work now as well. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. it's helped me make that transition. So I think that kind of relying yeah. on your network and and mm. asking people, and that's that kind of asking for help thing that people are, are so reluctant to do sometimes. But it's that's so yeah. important when you're going freelance to say like, 
can you you know any any tips anyone you know and mm. just putting um going out to your linkedin and saying does anyone have any anything yeah. some stuff has come up for me that i didn't really expect at all the um you know, just reaching out on Facebook, friends that have had starting their own businesses. And then I just said, oh, good luck, I'm doing this. And then, you know, work yeah. just happens. And it's like just keeping your yeah. eyes open all the time. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. just talking to people as well, which we know is really important in our industry. So, Yeah, maintaining the relationships. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and going to any event you can and things like that. So I'm not a natural networker or anything like that mm-hmm. at all. But whenever I've been able, lucky enough to go to events, um, I've, I've done it and I've made myself go out and, and talk to people, yeah. and, you know. So, yeah, just getting over that sort of hurdle of being part of something else and just being on your own, but also then knowing yeah. when to lean on the people that are around you because yeah. people generally want you to do well and, you know, that people like giving good advice. So it's, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And um, you, keep, you mentioned the... Um comms crowd a couple of times oh, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about the comms crowd what do they do so comms crowd yeah so um sam howard's the founder so she was my first mm-hmm. director at metia um mm-hmm. she basically started um a, a sort of a collective of freelancers um mainly in the pr space but we also have people we have uh, people that create podcasts we have um um different writers we have but it's um basically it started on the from the pr side um but um it's kind of expanded out from there um we uh, pre-covid it was all um people working from home and it's like what everyone's doing now but (laughs) (laughs) kind of rather than spend the money on an expensive office in the middle of london swanky uh, reception area or whatever it's really just getting the getting very experienced people um, who are available and they're for you, you know, good value, yeah. getting good results, basically. So we've yeah. got the fintech side and the tech side. So I work in the fintech right. space, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's nice. A, it's a brilliant. And, and, uh, yeah, sorry. And in between all of that, you're a regular writer for us from Rockstar CMO, as I mentioned at the beginning. And then you cre- contribute to the latest issues. So I want to come around to this because you've also mentioned that you've got a degree in PR. And, th- and the latest issue was all about whether marketers need a marketing education. What was your experience of that? So you you went and got a marketing education. You have a degree in PR. And how was that? Has that helped your career, do you think? Yeah. So in my, in my article, I kind of um, – my – I didn't have a very clear stance of yes, you do need a, a degree or no, you don't need mm-hmm. a degree. It's kind of, it's whatever is right for you. And for me, it was the right thing to do. And and I, I found that while the returns weren't immediate, um, mm-hmm. they came later down the line and it was, you know, I, I refer to it in my article. I still get, um, you know, my, my old textbooks out sometimes and have a look. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But when when you're immediately working in, in PR, you're obviously doing a lot of the admin and you're doing a lot of, like, clippings and, you know, pitching to yeah. journalists and stuff. And obviously you don't have – the degree isn't about that. The degree that I did was, you know, we learned about how to read an annual report, the, you know, profit and loss mm-hmm. stuff, the legal stuff, copyright, all that stuff all that stuff we did a bit of design work and it's all stuff mm-hmm. that really informed my career later on and like organizing organizational behavior theories and things like that and it's like oh i remember that from school yeah. you know like, um, from uni it's like all group think and you know the influencer uh, the influencer the psychological side of it and yeah, yeah because you don't 
benefit straight away from that kind of education. It's like it does feel a bit at the time like why am I doing this? It's so expensive. Yeah. It's so yeah. it's so long and expensive. It's like why am I why am I bothering? But it did it did pay off for me definitely. And and also yeah. the thing about uni and I, I hear a lot of people say this just going to uni in itself is 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 an edge it's a whole other part of like life education it's first time a lot of people and it's just like getting that confidence and and I think that kind of prepares you for work in a way that it wouldn't if you came straight from school or something I don't know it's it's hard to tell because I've only ever done like the uni side yeah no (laughs) no, you're making good points but I also think that what's interesting is um in, in quite a few of the interviews that we do and the conversations I've had is this idea that psychology plays a major part of marketing? Now, in an in an educate, if you're going through an education, then you get a much broader view, don't you? If you're a self-taught marketer, you may not think to study psychology or buy a book about psychology. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's just yeah. I went to uh, like I'm saying, I go to as many events as you can. I've been going. Yeah. I went to um, one led by uh, Ogilvy, and they did mm-hmm. one called Nudge Stock. And it was completely mm-hmm. like foreign to me, but it was so interesting. And it was about um, the the idea of um, yeah, it was very much based in the psychology side of it and mm. uh, persuading people to change their opinions on things. And that's totally what marketing is. And it's like it actually yeah. made me want to do. Maybe I looked into doing a um, like a master's degree in in a in a topic related to that, like cognitive behavioural mm. stuff. And it was just like. I couldn't afford it now, but it was like if I was to do it again, it wouldn't. Like my degree hasn't put me off doing further education on this kind of topic. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, no, that's and it's staying curious, isn't it, as a marketer? Mm, Absolutely, that's a huge part of it. That's why, yeah, going to events, reading whatever you can, never thinking that you know everything about a topic because it's changing so much. It's everything's changing so much it's just you've got to keep going keep keep reading keep staying curious like you say yeah, yeah. definitely. yeah yeah and when um when you were building your team um uh, before you were freelance what and you were hiring folks was was marketing education part of the criteria that you had for your team what did you look for in candidates well no i mean i didn't we had we had like a minimum you know have a degree not not necessarily in marketing or anything that was kind of um you know an hr sort of um requirement but um Mm -hmm. we'd still see people that didn't you know i had a lot of interviews in my last year i was interviewing quite a lot of people not necessarily Mm -hmm. people reporting to me but just being in the room when we were interviewing and it, it yeah. really became clear that yeah, that's not and and people that I've worked with in the past who haven't got degrees or marketing mm-hmm. degrees or degrees at all have been some of the best. It's like you just know there's a feeling when you meet somebody. Yeah. It's like they're going to be enthusiastic. They're going to be keen. They want to learn. Yeah. They've got that thirst for knowledge. Like just saying, they're, they're curious about things. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, that's just it's really not that important really at that at that stage i think yeah it's kind of the hr requirements that's the the barrier there because if the mm. company mm-hmm. overall want a degree then you're only going to mm-hmm. get a certain group of people but yeah like sometimes um when that isn't the biggest that, when that isn't a requirement on the um job spec mm. then it's it's yeah it, it comes down to really what they're like but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean 
like I say, that some of the best people I've worked with haven't had a degree at all. So it's just, well, that's... and that's, yeah, I, I said in my article, it'd be, it'd be a really boring workplace if everyone had the same sort of degree. And you'd get no diversity in opinion and you, you'd have all the same sort yeah. of patting each other on the back being so clever kind of thing. It would, it's not, that's not a great yeah. environment for marketing. You need, you need a broader spectrum. And I think, yeah, yeah. if, if um, you only look for one type of thing, then you, you're going yeah. to have creative campaigns. You're not going to have yeah. campaigns that work. So. I think diverse, absolutely. I think, I think that's so right. And there's, there's a lot to diversity in the marketing team. And it isn't just about um, cultural diversity, but no. also the different approaches people take because now marketing is so multidisciplined, right? You need data scientists, you need people that are good with finance, you need people that are, you know, creative, obviously, always, and you need people that understand things, the mechanics of things, like for SEO and stuff like that. So it's important, isn't it, to have a, have a broad range of folks in the team? Yeah, and le- all learning from each other because I think as yeah. well, if you just stay in one of those areas then you're going to run into trouble later down the line. So when, when we yeah. were introduced to more specialist marketers in my last job, you know, we had a great uh, guy come in, he's a data scientist guy, and he was, you know, I was just like, show me, show me everything you're doing because yeah, it's so yeah. interesting. And, yeah. and if I just stay in my little pigeonhole, then, well, in the future, I don't know what my career will lead to. So I, I yeah. try and, like, dip my hand in a little bit of design still very little bit of design I'm not a designer by any means but I like to create content content that you know that's the thing with content marketing it's not just writing either it's what visually works you know like finding the you know audibly like podcasts you know everything it's it's not it's not just writing anymore so you've got to keep abreast with all that stuff and, and know the mechanics of how it works I think Right, right. And how are you finding it and um, working with your clients? Do you, do you think people understand the value of uh, content marketing? Um, I think because it's, I feel like it's still quite a, a new new term in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's hard. To, sometimes you, you have to kind of explain the benefit of it. And I think because it's been called other things in the past, it's maybe just, oh, that's just kind of an email. But it's like, well, it's part of a wider campaign. That's one yeah. top point. And, you know, like using those kind of that new terminology, I guess. But it's um, yes. I think once it's done, it's like it's so worth it. You know, it's so obvious yeah. the, the benefits of doing it. So um, yeah. it's just that first it's getting that platform. It's getting that platform built, isn't it, and getting the – getting the commitment to build the platform then once that's in place yeah. you're off aren't you yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah then, of course all the different knowing where to look to to get the kind of the data to show them the how, yeah. how well it works as well you need all of those pieces in place don't you yeah 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 and um we uh, yeah this is i mean i'm a content marketer myself so uh, i find this topic fascinating and i think it's always interesting to hear the stories of how you know clients are reacting and everybody's behaving very differently aren't they around around content marketing and have a different view about it um just on the point of um uh i should have asked you this earlier about the current um situation we find ourselves in what what are you seeing from your clients about how they feel about publishing content right now their messaging and and that stuff what are you seeing a change uh in this in this sort of coronavirus world to the briefs that you're getting and what you what you're writing I think early on there was, mm-hmm. there was everything kind of needed um, 
a layer of this has happened kind of you know there'd be reports yeah. that were being you know I've felt really felt for them knowing as well like managing a budget like that and creating big content pieces only for yeah. it to be completely out of date as of March yeah. but, you know yeah. it's like yeah. none of this matters yeah. anymore all of this expensive yeah. you know research that you've done and the content is re- irrelevant yeah. now so you need to change completely change it and lots yeah. of my clients were able to do that really well and and it was amazing really like it shows the mm. kind of um, resilience of our industry to be able to just you know keep going and Flip. yeah yeah and just and yeah um so yeah, yeah i think the I, th- I think the cool term now is pivot isn't it we all pivot yeah, I was now. about to say that um yeah so they've, they've been yeah. fantastic and yeah i think there's a danger a little bit of going back to sort of 2008 where you yeah. know since the financial crisis where everything started like that you know every email started yeah. with since financial yeah. crisis now it's obviously in this post-covid world kind of thing or not post yeah, yeah, yeah. are we but um no. yeah, everything I you mean yeah. yeah um but you do have to nod to it because otherwise you just look completely tone deaf so yeah it's yeah, um, yeah. but i'm yeah, the under, my understanding of the zeitgeist right now is that organisations are starting to push forward after a bit of a pause, mm. um, and and realising they still need to communicate to their customers. Is that a consistent experience of what you're seeing? Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it's it's yeah, kind of, yeah. you know we it's we're lucky in our in, in financial in at the moment anyway in the financial services industry, it's mm-hmm. kind of you know in, fin, in the fintech industry anyway with kind of business as usual yeah. now i don't want yeah. to kind of jinx things but it's it feels like you know people are still you know having to yeah. move forward. and actually even more so a lot of our a lot of my clients are um working in you know making things digital like there's a lot of yeah. banking that is still very manual based or like analog based and it's making yeah. sure that um banks can respond quickly to their customers online and yeah. you know that, and a lot of you know a lot of our clients help um, banks do that so it's um mm-hmm. it's really mm, it's accelerated digital transformation basically hasn't oh, it? i mean yeah. it's a hackneyed yeah. expression digital transformation but um i actually saw some stats the other day that um the penetration of e-commerce more has happened in the last in the, in the last few months and happened in the 10 years prior in terms of depth of penetration in the u.s market with e-commerce everybody is now online yeah yeah i saw a similar yeah. um, yeah, yeah, start yeah. From Microsoft. interesting yeah. report. Yeah, yeah, I'll include that in the show notes if people are interested, but that was really interesting. Now, um, we could chat about content marketing and what's going on in the world for um, all afternoon um, or all morning as it actually happens here. Um, but uh, I want to get to my final question and I ask all of our guests this, and you're going to be familiar with this as a, as a writer for Rockstar CMO. <laughs> but we have the Rockstar CMO swimming pool where we throw all the snake oil, bullshit and dodgy faddy practices of marketing the craft we love i'm not having a go at it um but um you've you you're part of our house band but you've not had a go so what would you throw into the swimming pool oh this is a tough one i've been thinking about this so it's not mm-hmm. i wouldn't it's not strictly a marketing thing although mm-hmm. it happens at market in a marketing um tactic so at events when you've got the people on the stands it's either the two things that are the most annoying, those that are mm-hmm. so thirsty and just come up and just start talking. <laughs> yeah. 
without any kind of engine you can see like in one second that you're not interesting to me anymore so i I hate that i hate that so much it's like why are you talking to me in the first place but yeah i get it it's a numbers game for them but it's just that kind of they don't even try and change their face to look a slightest bit interested in what you've got to say (laughs) if you haven't got a bind as like any kind of buying power it's just like you just know straight away and then the opposite of that when you when you have invested all this money from your marketing budget into an event and your sales team are there and they're not talking to anyone (laughs) and they're just talking to Uh, each other (laughs) i i i have been there and i've been (laughs) so frustrated because my you know where where i've been a cmo my field team are putting all this effort and i Mm -hmm. I come along and i see these guys on their phones or talking to each other i go mad i really do Um, because yeah as marketers you set the stage right and that's all you can do um and then it's up to the sales guys to to act on that stage and um yeah. But I, I also really like, I mean, this is a great thing to chuck into the swim pool because I also really like that that sort of um, piranha-like, you know, somebody, <laughs> you, you walk past the stand and you see it happening and they come over to you and then, and then the moment that you're not interesting to them, you know, their eyes go dead and they're off to the next one. They're, they're looking over your shoulder, like seeing yeah. important. <laughs> like, oh. I've been to networking events like that where somebody's looking over my shoulder and I think, hang on. Yeah. It's like, no wonder people don't like networking. It's like, yeah. I'm not a natural networker anyway. And then you have yeah. the experiences and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just yeah. go home then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's interesting on, these virtual events i think i I wrote about it for um rockstar cmo i think the the last the kind of chat roulette almost uh obviously not that dodgy chat roulette that was out um a few years ago (laughs) (laughs) it was that kind of principle of someone popping up and the Mm -hmm. only and i was i'm gonna try this because i'm at home and i you might as well let's see what it's like and luckily you only had like (laughs) <laughs> not luckily i mean i'm sure it's a great idea but it's like it was basically the only people going forward for it were um sales people and as soon yeah. as you say the word freelancer they're like okay <laughs> like, <laughs> i still know people come on <laughs> and then you get two minutes with them and that, that feels like 10 or like half an yeah hour. Like, yeah oh. yeah but um yeah it's been interesting yeah yeah <laughs> as they as they play the numbers game well that was really nice thank you very much for for joining me on the show um and lauren where can people find you when they spin the dial of the interwebs um, okay yeah so i'm on twitter i've got um uh so a new account that i started when i was freelancing so the numbers are quite small and then i've got my account from like 2006 which has got a lot yeah. more followers so it's like yeah, um, yeah. at lauren d and um at lauren bowden so i got married mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and i'm on yeah i'm on linkedin i'm also on tiktok no. <laughs> i'm not going to share that because you don't want to see me trying to find <laughs> things trying to... <laughs> <laughs> tiktok 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 has become a regular theme on this show about how um you know how I people aren't it. joining it and it's been brilliant during COVID. It's just so much fun. Like you just, you could just scroll, and it's. I don't know about yeah. for brands, obviously. For some brands, it works, but maybe not B two B fintech. But maybe we'll see. But yeah, so my main um, mm-hmm. channel is um, my LinkedIn, Lauren um, Lauren yeah. Bowden. Yeah, it's just Lauren Bowden. Yeah, and my Twitter. Yeah. Sorry, and my you have a website. Yes, I do. Yeah, Lauren Bowden Consulting yes. Nice. All right, that's great, and. Um, 
And I look forward to uh, speaking to you again. I look forward to your future contributions on Rockstar CMO. It's very nice to talk to you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Lauren. So happy to have Lauren on the show. And I encourage you to take a look at her writing on rockstarcmo.com and check out her colleagues at the comms crowd. I've worked with them. Very nice bunch of folks. I will, of course, include all the links to the things we discussed in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. So it's Friday evening. And as the week draws to a close and as regular listeners know, I like to kick off my weekend in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, where I will find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? <laughs> well, hello, my friend. Uh, it's almost like we just spoke. Um, <laughs> I, you know, this. I'm so glad to be here this week, uh, this evening. We have a wonderful, wonderful cocktail. Uh, I'm calling it mm. Blackberry Tequila Gimlet, um, which is almost a health tonic, really. It's uh, it's got crushed blackberries, lime, and a splash, mm. just a splash of fresh squeezed grapefruit juice so mm. lots of wonderful fruit in there and then of course your choice of a wonderful reposado tequila oh nice that sounds lovely and many of your drinks as i've commented before sound like health tonics so let's have a look at what i have you'll be because a gimlet normally has gin so you might be surprised to learn that i actually have some gin i well i that doesn't surprise me actually but um oh, okay. yeah i I'm, I'm glad you have it I have, I do have gin. And did you say there was ice in this drink? <clears throat> there is indeed ice in this drink. This is a summer okay. drink for sure. Uh, okay, so there's the ice. Put some of the gin in. And what were those lovely um, fruit juices we're putting in there? Well, there was crushed blackberry, lime, crushed and blackberry. a splash, just a splash, of fresh squeezed grapefruit juice. Right, let me see what I've got here. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've got something very similar. If you muddle muddle those together, would that make a tonic? Do you think? Uh, yes, I think the bubbles would be a nice substitute. Yes, I think Ooh, that nice. will work good. for you. Oh, nice. <clears throat> yes, let me taste that. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. I could drink these every week. I, I think, think you probably do. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really could. And... That's delicious. I, I love a gimlet, uh, even a tequila one. Where on earth would we drink these, Robert? Well, I would have to bring you to my home right here in Southern California. There is a place just um, near my house. It's called Zuma Beach, which many of your listeners may be familiar with. It's one of the more famous Malibu beaches. Um, many movies are shot there um, and all of that. And there is a restaurant there at a restaurant bar called the sunset and it's nothing to look at i mean it's like a little dive really but they make amazing uh, uh, uh cocktails have wonderful food and the key and the reason that it's called the sunset is because the view of the sunset there is just absolutely spectacular oh it sounds beautiful and what better than be invited to, to where you are i think that sounds fantastic yeah um i have Normally, I try and insert myself into one of your stories. <laughs> I've, I've, obviously, I've been to California. I've been to the tech part of California, but I've never been to your specific part of the world. But it sounds absolutely beautiful. And I think that, you know, if you're drinking a lockdown libation and you happen to be locked down in a lovely part of the world where you are, I, that sounds fantastic. 
Indeed. And it's one of those places here in Los Angeles, you know, that you almost can't believe is so close right. in Los Angeles because it's, you know, it's way out here in the, in, yeah. in, in really, you know, the country. It's, um, there's not a lot of uh, people out there. Right. Oh, that sounds beautiful. And we're, um, we're going to watch this sunset and we're going to sip these, these tequila gimlets. And um, what are we going to be talking about? You know, the thing that I think we should talk about at that restaurant would be mm-hmm. scaling, right? And it's, I mean, it's coming up more and more these days that I hear about marketers really trying to figure out how to scale their content teams. And, you know, should they build it in-house? Should they choose an agency? Um, and where should they choose to outsource? And it was interesting. One of the research findings that came back from our content management research at CMI was that number one, 84% of content, uh, marketing or those businesses that are doing content marketing are outsourcing content creation to some degree, Uh which is pretty amazing. If you think about it, almost nine out of 10 Uh, companies that do content marketing are outsourcing some form of their content creation. And I don't have any necessarily good pat, you know, template answers here. But I think one of the things that we've seen really help is when you're thinking about the content marketing approach, um, you know, and this is too cute of a way to say it, but basically don't outsource the strategy. Don't outsource the thinking. Right. Um, which is build an institutional competency of strategic thought and approach and creativity and really scale as you need to scale execution, I guess, is the is the real right. point here. So I think that would be an interesting conversation for us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, we know a lot of... Um freelance writers and those folks but is that would you want that to keep that so that you've got that consistency of voice and you get across what you want to say and it's better to have that group of people in-house yeah you know the um, a lot of times what i the question i get is if we're going to hire somebody do we hire for Mm -hmm. subject matter expertise or do we hire for marketing skills or some other thing right Mm -hmm. And my advice there is always hire for, uh, you know, the thinking and the strategic fit, the right. things that you can teach them. Subject matter expertise can be taught and or it can be found. Um, right. You know, what's not available is really good wisdom and strategic mm-hmm. thinking. And so to me, it's always when I'm looking for someone who can execute something, an idea that I've had or that idea that my team has had, that becomes doable. But when it comes to sort of coming up with really interesting ideas for our content and what we should be talking about in our thought leadership and our position or our story, I really want that to be us, right? Because yeah, one, it's the more interesting part of the job. You know what I mean? <laughs> But two, it's also, you know, the, uh, it's also, you know, in many ways, a more efficient way of operating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what do you think of um, the skill of writing? Because in in that, isn't there, there's, um, not everybody's a great writer. I've had people work for me that thought they were and they really weren't and but and they required some coaching and I also think that a really good editor is really important. Would you have those, are you saying we outsource those kind of skills? 
Yeah, I mean, to be clear, look, I'm not saying that writing and editing and, and doing those things is any less valuable than the strategic mm-hmm. part, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. strategy is one thing, execution is quite another, and execution yeah. can be, quite frankly, where most businesses fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many cases, what I find is is that what we do is the reverse, right? We have somebody come in and 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 give us a great big wonderful creative thing to do, mm-hmm. and then we go try and do it, and we just don't have the bandwidth to yeah. be able to you know execute against it. Um, yeah. And so I you know so I would include you know execution is is really so many things um, mm-hmm. from everything from project management to editorial direction to, yeah. you know, writing to photography, to video, to audio, to, you know, design to, you know, there's so mm-hmm. much of that. But as we start building in-house capabilities, I think the real key is building in great, um, and good fit for mm-hmm. thinking in the business mm-hmm. and, um, and really scaling those content teams as the need for our production and or um, you know yeah. creative expression, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, yeah, and right. yeah, and I like the, your reference to uh, doing the creative, a lot of the creative in house because I, I think we discussed it before. It it, it really is the, the 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 fun part, isn't it? And um, and coming up with what the strat- what the strategy is going to be along with that creative. Yeah, exactly, and it's one of those things mm-hmm. you know. I often, I often, uh, you know, tell the cautionary tale, right? It's like walk around as a marketing director in your business with a, you know, printed out bunch of spreadsheets about the latest performance marketing and what you've been doing from a conversion basis and email conversion rates and try and scare up a meeting together uh, and to, to have people talk about it. Um, and you'll be in a meeting by yourself, you know, walk around. <laughs> You know, walk around with the latest comps of the new website or the latest yeah, comps of the yeah. new creative campaign, and everybody yeah. from the CEO down will want to have that meeting and have an opinion on it, right? <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, that is totally the truth. Oh, well, that's great. Thank you very much. And really good piece of advice. And uh, you've painted a wonderful picture of uh, watching the sunset while we chat about that. So that sounds fantastic. And um, Robert, if people want to learn more about what you just shared, where would they find you? Oh, well, aren't you kind? Um, well, if you want to know more about what we're talking about these days, I think the best place to connect with us is our website, which, of course, is contentadvisory.net. Mm-hmm. Well, splendid. And is this a topic you've written about already? You know, it is in varying degree. We don't have anything specifically on it, but I'm finding myself more and more answering this question of the in-house yeah. versus um, you know, agency or consultancy um, idea. Uh, and, um, you know, it's something that I may end up writing a bigger piece on, but in varying degree. Yeah, there's, there's, there's. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I look forward to reading that. And uh, thank you for joining me in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Robert. As you might have guessed, I always look forward to chatting with Robert. I hope you enjoyed this part of the conversation when I actually remember to press record. I would definitely encourage you to seek him out and his wonderful podcast. And good Lord, am I looking forward to going to one of those fabulous places he describes and drinking some of those fabulous drinks. All right, then, that's it. The end of episode 21 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. 
and thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Thanks again to Robert, to Lauren for allowing me to convince her to take her podcasting debut and to our wonderful Rockstar CMO contributing community for all that they do But most of all, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. And if you have any feedback for me, you can find our little crew at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, you can find the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. For regular listeners, you may have noticed that I mentioned chatting to Phil Lewis, founder and principal of Corporate Punk last week. We've postponed that conversation for a couple of weeks as he has something exciting planned for us to discuss. Next week, I am chatting to Christine Bailey, CMO of Valata, recently voted number one woman in tech by B2B marketing, which I think will be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to talking to her. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, and I hope you'll join us again next week here at Rockstar CMO. FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.